friend this morning is Mike needs Jesus too. And many of you, because you don't know me, uh, didn't know the before Jesus version of me. And I praise the Lord for that because there's a lot of baggage you don't have to get over. Uh, but once in a while, God's going to give me an opportunity to live in a glass house because as a pastor, I don't get to just act like everything's fine, live in my ivory tower, study my Bible, and act all holy and not get to be real. And for some of you, you're going to think he's making himself way too vulnerable or he's being hard, too hard on himself. I'm not saying anything that the Lord hasn't said, you will say this, okay? So that said, this is more like a family meeting this morning. So if you're not usually around here, forgive me, but there will be application. I guarantee that you're going to learn something. Anytime you study the scriptures, you're going to learn something about God. Stop looking for stuff that's about you. It's all about God. And as he reveals to you who he is, it will actually give you a, a more clear sight about who you are. And as it gives a more clear sight about who you are, you get the opportunity to respond to God and who he is. And so that said, here's my story. I have worked at Missouri Natural Gas for seven years. And then I started working about five years ago at U.S. Tool Grinding. In the process, we had moved down here and we planted this church. And when we planted this church, I did not think I was going to be pastoring it. My pastor and I were teaching a Bible study at Bobby Powell's. He was going to teach one week, and then I would teach one week. And then he was going to teach, and that never happened. He disappeared from my life, not really. But he left me here hanging high and dry, and because of that, my faith grew. And God is so faithful to allow just enough stress on you to cause you to cry out to him and go, Lord, I need you more. And every step of the way, he's been growing me. And so throughout those steps, he, we've never arrived until we see Jesus face to face. So fast forward, I've been at U.S. Tool for five years. And um, this week, um, I'm just doing what I've always done. I get up on Monday, Steve and I pray at 5 a.m., which is something we just started six months ago or so. Um, uh, on Wednesdays I get up me and Drew hang out we do a little discipleship we pray for each other on uh, Fridays I get together with another local pastor and we pray for one another and our families I change my hours from 8 to 5 so that I would be able to to do some discipleship outside of uh, my work schedule and so uh, as time has gone on I've my heart is just divided Jesus said um, if you try to serve two masters uh, you're, you will end up hating one and loving the other. And over time, I've become a person that hates my job. <laughs> now, does that mean that I no longer have to be uh, diligent, faithful in my job? No. As a disciple of Jesus, I have a higher standard for me. Uh, Jesus has a higher standard for me than he does any other worker. So fast forward to Wednesday night, I'm at a prayer meeting. And I'm taking notes because this is a prayer meeting like we haven't done before. But three people got up and shared um, something specific that they were told to share, and they applied it to their own life, and then we would have 10 minutes of prayer time as group, small groups. And so in Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. It says, Unless the Lord guards the city, those who keep it, uh, and stay in up and watch overnight, stay up in vain. 
In vain you rise up early, and in vain you go down to sleep late. The Lord gives rest to his people. And so in that, I learned that laboring in vain, when the Lord is not the one building, uh, is vanity. You're wasting your life. So I was praying for the people I work for. Many of them, because they don't know the Lord, are providing for their families, but they're laboring in vain. There's no purpose to it other than food and meat, uh, eat and drink, a place to live, clothing on their backs. But Romans teaches us that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. And so uh, that was about purpose. And then Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, was about protection. So I'm going to turn there. Because I, I do know the Psalm 127, but I don't know Psalm 5. So my point in all of this is that God was providing things for me beforehand that I didn't know I was going to need within 24 hours. And no, I'm not trying to draw this out because I know you're on the edge of your seats. But Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, Consider the meditation of my heart. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate. Did you know that God hates? He says, you hate all workers of iniquity. And then verse 6 says, you shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. So I wrote in my notes, this is what I wrote. The kindness of the Lord humbles us. There is no need to fear the opinions of man. God does not take pleasure in wickedness. And then I put comma, my enemy's wickedness, nor mine. And then Sandy Gallagher, some of you might know her, um, she said this in her prayer, God's correction is his protection for me. So, verse 7 through 8 of the same psalm says, But as for me, I will come into your house, and the multitude of your compassion In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. So, what am I leading up to? So Thursday morning, I get up, as always. I go to work. I've got things on my mind about church. I've got things on my mind about my family. I've got things on my mind about what I'm getting ready to do at work, and I'm just doing what I do. We all have those days. We just get up, we go and do what we do. Just one foot in, you guys remember the commercial, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Time to make the donuts. So I get up in the morning, and I'm time to make the donuts, and I'm walking into my job. And as I walk into my job, I'm doing my job like I normally do. And lunchtime rolls around, and Steve and I had something to talk about, so I bugged him while he was at work, and we talked for a while, and then I get off the phone. I'm a little exhausted because now I need to go straight back to work. And um, I'm standing there at my desk and I'm working on a layout for an area of the plant and I'm doing some other things. And 
About that time, there's some whispering going on, and my boss comes over to my cubicle, and he says, hey, Mike, you got a minute? Sure. This happens all the time. Now, this is one of those bosses, no matter what's going on, he calls you into his office, and he closes the door. I hate that. (laughs) And you know what I'm talking about. What did I do? All of a sudden, everything you've ever done, you're scrutinizing within 0.3 seconds. And you walk in and you go, uh, what's up? And from the very first time that ever happened to me till now, it's always been that way. And every time I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and so I walk into the office and he says, this is not going to be one of our better talks. I'm like, we haven't had that many great talks anyway. Um, over the course of my employment there, um, they have never been happy with my... Uh, the time that I dedicate to my job. And you know this from working in any job, no matter what boss you work for, they always want more of your time and they never want to pay you more for it. And as a salaried employee, I am expected to be there for more than 40 hours. And that's just normal. Some of you, that's your life and your hourly, and some of you, that's what's expected. You don't get paid anymore. So I know what that's like. But that said... Um, we've had talks about that. And at one point in one of my reviews, I actually said, look, I get that everybody else comes in on Saturdays and I am getting my job done and I have two kids and a wife. Anybody can do my job. Not just anybody can raise my children. I have to be there for some of their life to have influence. God's given them to me. And so we came to an impasse and we agreed to disagree. And he said, just so you know, probably going to be passed over for a whole bunch of races. And I go, I can sleep at night with that. So over time, I've lived that out, and, uh, and he's expressed again that he's not happy with that. But in the meantime, uh, my error record went up. I'm an engineer. We kind of have an important thing that goes along with details being accurate. And those details, when they're not accurate, the shop floor gets mad, production gets lower, and it hits the bottom dollar. I get it. So I said, you know, he said, what's going on? I said, well, I'm distracted. This was June or July. And I said, I, I'm sorry that I'm distracted. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm a scatterbrain sometimes. And it's not an excuse. It's just me. I've, I want to point out, and if anybody wants to see my grades, by the way, I do have a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering, but these get degrees, my friends. These get degrees. Okay, and I'm not necessarily proud of that, but God used engineering college to show me how failing I am. I took lots of classes over and over and over, and I paid off the debt for a long time for that reason. There ain't no scholarships for D students, but I kept trying. And that said, God was honoring that. He took care of me, and he got me a job in Farmington. He got me another job in Farmington, and he's been so faithful. So, um... That said, I'm drawing this out. I know I'm stalling, but he says, uh, basically, your numbers are uh, so bad that we dug into uh, your browser history to find out what's going on, and we found some things. Now, I want to say at this point, (laughs) when he's digging in my browser, if it had been 10 years ago, he'd have seen a whole different thing. (laughs) This is me. Your pastor needs Jesus, okay? I've never said that in front of this church, but I used to be addicted to pornography. 
Ten years ago, God changed all that. I'm redeemed. So here's what they found in the browser. They found, over the course of nine days, I spent 165 minutes on the Facebooks and on Twitters and listening to podcasts and listening to YouTube and um, all the stuff that I was doing while I was working. I was divided. And I was spending a lot of time on Amazon buying stuff to make sure that we had curtains. And we don't have them yet. Sorry, guys, on this side, you're probably still warm. But we got curtains. And, and I've been spending time making phone calls on lunch. And, and so because of all those things, um, they look at it like I'm stealing. And it is stealing. Um, they fire people at U.S. Tool for stealing cheeseburgers. On a salary position, 165 minutes over the course of nine days, how many cheeseburgers do you think that is? So my boss said to me. I got no defense for that. So here I am, confessing to you guys, just as I did to the board, just as I did to my pastor. I don't need a high priest. I confessed it to Jesus first. But James chapter 5 says, if we confess our sins one to another, and especially to the elders of the church, that God is able to cleanse us and to purge us and to forgive us and to heal us and make us new. So, that said, all that stuff, I have no job. My sin has put my family in jeopardy. And so, praise the Lord, my wife has a job. Praise the Lord that I have lots of people that care about me, that pray for me. So, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty or the personalities my statement about U.S. Tool is they want to be the most trusted provider of cutting tools and cutting tool supplies. And all the way up to the top, Bruce Williams that owns the company, I'm ashamed that I treated him that way. He is an honest man. He expects and he does what he expects. And the company policy says you may not use the computers or any of the stuff at work for, for anything other than company stuff at all. Not five minutes, not 165 minutes. Zero. The moment I logged in, I should have been fired. By the way, that's how God's law works. The moment I sin at all, on purpose, on accident, He deserves to give us justice. And yet, He has made way so that we can have mercy and compassion. He so cares about us being reunited with him that he sent his son to pay for our sins. He took the punishment. I can't blame anyone else for me getting fired but Mike Mingi. I knew what the rules were, and I knew what the expectation was, and I failed. So I want God to get glory from that. So my boss says this to me, I start pleading, going through the steps of grief. I'm in shock. I start in denial. I go, is there anything I can do? And he said, at this point, the management team has decided, no, you have no job. Here's your final check. Here's your one last vacation day check. Here's your 401k stuff. Um, we need somebody to take you out. And so I go, I'm not going to throw a fit. And my boss said, which I respect, he said, I know you won't. I know you. You're a good guy. 
hey, praise the Lord, he could say that while he's firing me. You know, that's okay. That, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that as a plus. And I said, I, I'm ashamed and I'm sorry. Because see, this is a pattern in my life. This wasn't something that started last week or nine days ago. This started in high school when I would be sitting in AutoCAD drafting class and I would work a little bit on my stuff and then the teacher would leave the classroom and I'd get on EA Sports, it's in the game. And I'd play hockey. I didn't even like sports. I just didn't want to work. And so I would do that. And that follow, that you reap a habit, it becomes a pattern, and you'll waste a lot of your life. And so over the course of me being in high school, and then it went with me to college, I never had any self-control over that. And it went into my job. I'm sure it went into my home. And then eventually it went to the point where I got fired for it. And so I want to point this out because at the same time, what am I teaching you? First John. And what does it say in First John? If someone says that they walk in the light and yet they walk in darkness, they're a liar. The truth is not in them. The truth's not in me. And so I go back to what we studied a few weeks ago and I've been repeating over and over again because apparently the Lord wanted me to get it. And it says this. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. These things we write to you so that you may not sin. I want to tell you that my sin that I got fired for is not sin. Stop. Wait with me. It is sin. It's culturally acceptable sin to waste work time on personal stuff. Trust me, I lost my job over it. They're not okay with it. And so the message, I write this, dear children, to guide you out of sin. So we talk about the light of the world and how he's so good because he is light and this world is full of darkness, but God wants to shine light on his people's hearts to reveal all the darkness so that we can experience unbroken fellowship with him. And when he takes that backpack of rocks off of us, it is scary because we like the backpack of rocks. I like to be able to do whatever I want. He says, these things are right, and I have written to you who believe in the name of Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life and that eternal life is in Jesus Christ. So how do I know that God loves me? Because he corrects, he spanks every son or daughter whom he receives. I am a child of God, and because of that, he doesn't allow me to continue in sin. When I was single, the consequences were not nearly as big. But now that I'm a married man, I drug my whole family into it. But it's for my good. My father loves me. He doesn't want me to just say things and be a hypocrite. He wants me to be pure before his sight. And so I say all that to say that God is correcting me, and he's giving me a big spanking right now. And I don't like it honestly. But I do like that it's going to make me more like Jesus. I do like that he's teaching me to humble myself. I do like that in the moment that I'm getting fired by a guy I don't really like a whole lot, that's my boss, I looked at him and I said, I'm embarrassed most of all because I have misrepresented Jesus to you. Jesus is not okay with what I did. And then I 
left. I asked him to stay a little bit further back. I didn't want to be embarrassed that much. I packed up all my stuff. He said, you can't log into your computer because a lot of people try to hide them what they did. And I said, I'm not going to log in. You guys have already seen the stuff I'm embarrassed about. Um, and so I didn't log in. I got all my Lucy paintings and pictures and stuff I've had in the desk I've never touched since I got there the first day. And, and I even forgot my check on the shelf, by the way. I walked out and I left the money that they gave me. I'm like, I'm going to need that. Next day, I texted the guy I worked directly with, and I said, uh, I know this is awkward, but I still owe you five bucks for lunch yesterday, and um, I, need, uh, I need my check and my 401k stuff. And he found it for me, and, you know, but anyway, I apologized to him for the same way. As a believer, God deserves better, and God's people ought to be the best workers, there I was, looking over my shoulder, knew what I was doing. To him who knows to do right and does not, James says, it's sin. We can call it what we want. We can call it a mistake, or I'm just fudging a little here or there. But the reality is, uh, that doesn't go with God. And so, um, I'm saying this all to you to confess it to you. I'm saying it all to you because here's another thing I learned. I've told this story probably a million times over the week because there's people I hold myself accountable to that I have to confess this to so God can heal me of it. But also, I was talking to one of my brothers I've known longest. He could tell you my whole story um, better than I could. Um, but he, uh, he and I were talking, and I was telling him the story, and I said, you know, I was, I was really embarrassed about getting exposed like this. And it makes me wonder, and in the moment I was learning that like the Lord was just like, what about this? So, Imagine being in my shoes and sitting there before your boss and they say, hey, you're fired because you wasted company time. And then uh, you're just embarrassed and you're furious with yourself and you knew better. And I'm think and just, just a, a wave of just like, oh, I've lost my job over that. And then I got to thinking about it. All that time I wasted was the company's time, Right. How much of the life that Jesus bought by his own blood for me have I wasted on stupid Facebook? Or, you know, not that everything about social media is wrong, but how much of my life am I going to have to sit before him and him go, what have you done with the time I gave you? And I'll go, I wasted a bunch of it. And then I think it's going to be a little more heavy than standing before my boss here. Because the reality is, Life is about relationships, but real ones. Life is about getting things done, but it's about getting, getting things, the right things done the right way, God's way. And so it's had me on my knees a lot. And I've lost about 10 pounds since Thursday because my guts are all knotted up. Uh, it's not going to hurt me to lose 10 pounds. I got it extra, you know. Um, but I say all this to say that I'm sorry that I misrepresented the Lord. I'm sorry that I misrepresented our church. I, I need to lead in righteousness. I should be like Jesus. I get that I'm not Jesus, but I want to be like the man who saved my soul. I want to represent my Father who's in heaven. And so maybe this is for me to be able to, to walk this out, but maybe you've got stuff going on that you think nobody's ever going to find out about this. It's really not a big deal. It is a big deal to God whether your boss ever finds out about it or not. It just is. 
And God wants you to be free from that thing that you love. If we have a master passion that causes us to reject even the slightest command of what God has given us, we're harming ourselves. God's protecting me by cleansing me of unrighteousness. He loves me, and he loves you. And so I say all that to say there's an epilogue, okay? So we're praying, what's next? God's forgiven me, but there's still consequences. And God forgives us of our sins, but we still have to live out the consequences many times, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to pray. God's showing me that we're going to walk by faith again. He's taken my engineer's salary, which was way more than I realized, and he said, you're going to live by faith now. And so I want to show you something from Proverbs chapter 27. Because in 2017, September 27th, God was speaking something to my heart that I didn't know I needed it or what it was about. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. I wrote my margin here because it's one of those journaling Bibles, which I highly recommend. But I wrote down something, and I don't do this very often. I wrote, the Lord has spoken these verses directly to me this morning. I'm not exactly sure what to do with them, but I want to hear these words and I want to do them. So here's what it says, Proverbs 27, 23. I'm reading New Living Translation. It says, know the state of your flocks. So my ears perk up as a pastor. And put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever. And the crown might not past, be passed to the next generation. After the hay is harvested, it's been harvested, right? And the new crop appears and the mountain grasses are gathered in. Your sheep will provide wool for clothing and your goats will provide the price of a field. And you will have enough goat's milk for yourself and your family and your servant girls. Now, I don't know what all that means still. But I do know that I'm supposed to keep pastoring. And I'm not going anywhere. God will make a way for us to make money. But I also know that he says here, I'm going to provide for you clothing. I'm going to provide for where you live. And I'm going to make sure there's plenty of food on the table. By the way, the Bible only promises food and clothing. It never promises anything past that. That's what we need, right? And we've always prayed in our family, Lord, you've always given us what, you've, what we've needed. Uh, and you've given us a lot of stuff we just wanted. Uh, we're getting ready to go through a time where we have what we need. Does that make God still good? Amen. Yes. And so I trust him. And trust looks different right now. So I talked to my pastor. I blubbered all over his shoulder. Got some awkward man hugs from Steve. And he let me cry in his office. Got to confess to the other elder who has Jason Samples. Many of you don't know him. Some of you might if you work with North County Schools. And um, so my pastor texted um, the whole uh, leadership team, the, the board up at Parkland Chapel. And they, that night, after worship practice, it was Thursday, uh, offered me a position at Parkland Chapel. I want to say this. That position is part-time, and I am going nowhere. We will live in Arcadia Valley. 
I will get three quarters of my time, Lord willing, with whatever job he provides. I will be three quarters of the time here. I will be one quarter of the time up there as an associate pastor. I'm expected to be there Mondays from 8 to noon, Tuesdays 8 to noon, Wednesdays all evening for service. That gives me a thousand percent more time to tend to this flock. As a worker, that I worked 41 and a half hours a week. I came home exhausted. I spent Friday nights here I, uh, preparing to teach. I spent Tuesday nights or whatever night we practice for worship team practice. I don't have much else going on in my time. God has freed me up in an uncomfortable way. And I'm excited and I am terrified. I know. So I'm just really exposing, here's where we're at. I'm not asking for anything other than your prayers. Pray for my wife. She is hardcore. You want to be in the trenches with somebody? Talk to Kelly Mingy. She throws some elbows. She prays like a mad woman. And uh, she's fierce. Don't mess with her. Um, But that said, I am encouraged because I know God's up to something. He's going to use my jacked up mess to do something good, and I hope you'll still trust me. I am sharing this because I don't want you to ever think that I am above being blatantly honest, even when it might cost me friendships, even when it might cost you coming here. I don't care. I'm going to walk in the light as much as I know how until God exposes other things, and then you're going to hear that awkward thing too. Because if I don't lead in that, how can I expect anybody else to do it? So, that said, I love you guys. Thank you for hearing me out. Thank you for loving our family. Um, There's been increased warfare as the church has grown. And I will tell you, in the last two months, the church has grown. And it's been exciting. And it's been overwhelming. Um, And now I'm not overwhelmed as much. Because I have time. Here's the reality. As a pastor, I don't want to just see you on Sundays. I don't want to invade your life more than you want me to, but I do want to be able to make phone calls and send thank you cards and and pray for you, and I do. Every Sunday morning as I drive to this place, I got a list of people that I know your names, so if I ask your name again, it's because I'm adding you to the list, and I may not know what to pray, but your name has been said in heaven on Sunday mornings. I guarantee it. So that said, all of that said, pray for us. God's still working on me. Like I said earlier, if you pray for God to give you a clean heart, he will. That's the good news. Uh, And the good news is it will hurt. Any good surgery does. When you get cancer removed, it hurts. But sin is cancer, and it brings forth death. And now I can walk a little lighter. And so, anyway, hope I've been clear. Steve, did I forget anything? I told Steve this story, and I said, on Sunday morning... Forget to forget to say anything. Uh, call me out on it. The school bus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll tell that story. So you know how we make plans, and then I've been saying over and over again. You guys probably remember this. Uh, a lot of the time we live, and I'm going to quote myself from a few weeks ago because I've been eating those words. We live like we can just come up with a plan and then pray, God bless it. And then he's just going to do our bidding. And then he laughs at us because we're goobers. Well, um, 
So our plan, here's what the long-term plan was. Uh, my heart is here. My heart is in this valley. My heart is to, to do all I can to fulfill my role as a pastor. And I've been hindered. I've been double-minded. And, and so um, I've been paying off lots of debt. Like our student loans, praise the Lord, they're paid off. We owe on our little camper about $2,000. We owe on our van about $16,000. And we were dumping cash on those things like it was no tomorrow. And we were going to pay them off by the end of August next year. We had 11 months. And we were so excited. That was our plan. And then I asked Steve, I, I want to work in the school district. Can I drive a school bus? I'm willing to do anything. I'll flip burgers. And we talked numbers, and I tried to figure out what the minimum was we could possibly make. Kelly's degrees in, in uh, elementary education. She wants to teach. She's called to teach. She's going to do great at it wherever God gives her to do it. Um, but we were waiting on God's timing. And so ultimately, we were going to live like that. And I still wasn't going to have to take any pay, and it was going to be great. So God crushed the plan and said, I've got better plans, and we don't know what they are yet. And our timetable time isn't his. And frankly, uh, about three weeks ago, the Lord said, it's time to start fasting again. So I started fasting on Thursdays. Praise the Lord, this week I fasted on Wednesday. I don't know why. I just had a plan. And the Lord said, fast on Wednesday, so I did. And then Thursday, I needed food in my stomach because I didn't eat for a while. And, um, but in that time, I was praying, Lord, I know what my numbers say. I'm a calculator. I'm an engineer. Not a good one, apparently. And uh, in that process, I said, Lord, and it was one Wednesday morning as I was leaving Drew's house. Of course, that's the most beautiful stretch. As you're driving down E Highway towards, uh, is it 21? Is it 49? I don't know. I was driving towards the main highway to go into the valley. And as I was driving toward, down E Highway, getting ready to go through the valley, looking at the beautiful scenery, I was like, God, you made all this. You can do anything. If you want to fast forward the timetable, you can. And I'm open to whatever way you want to do it. And I've been eating those words, yeah. frankly. And so um, all that said, um, God is good all the time. And we are thankful to be his kids. And I'm thankful. Uh, I'm asking for your forgiveness for the way I've misrepresented the Lord. I've asked him to change me. Um, I am accountable for how I use my hours, and I want to walk in the light with that. And so some changes are going to have to make. But in the meantime, God has opened the door for me to work at Parkland Chapel, the place that changed my life, and um, with brothers that have been there with me from the beginning. And hopefully he'll open up another avenue where I can be down here all the time and be able to serve. And so... Uh, I don't know what else to say. I don't know if there is anything else to say. Is that it? I'm here. And that's something I also want to emphasize again, that we're not leaving. I dug in my heels the last time something scared me. And uh, we feel called to be here no matter what. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that I get to tell my kids that I thank you that I get to tell this church that I need Jesus just as much as anybody. Thank you for using uh, what man means for evil to do good. 
Thank you for revealing a dark place in my life. Thank you for giving me the grace not to blame everybody else for my problems. And thank you for your love, Lord. I pray for your continuance and your work in this church, that you would continue to purify our lives, that you would raise up godly men, including myself, that would be bold witnesses in all that we do and say, whether people are looking or not, make us men and women of integrity. Make us godly fathers and mothers. Make us godly employees. Lord, help us not to waste our lives. It's a blink and eternity comes. Help us to bear fruit that brings you glory. Help us to boast in our weakness that Christ may become all and in all. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this time this morning. Thank you for the grace and the ability to recount really what you're doing. We want your will to be done in this church, in our families, in our community. Turn it upside down. Help us to be vulnerable. Help us to be real. And Lord, would you expose all that needs to be made right? Let it begin with us. Lord, we love you. I love you. Thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.